Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy. I actually listen to the Day After Podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. i got Buck Sanders with me. Jason Staples is gone out of North Carolina. He's in San Diego, so Jason's audio might not sound as sultry as he normally does. Buck, I'm going to come to you first, and, and of course, for a heads up for our listeners, we will discuss um, other matters after um, these first couple segments on the game itself, so stay tuned for that. Buck, Carolina and Mercer, we talked in the pregame uh, of how one thing Larry Fedora did was dispatch of these type teams in a hurry. Mac Brown's Tar Heels certainly did that scoring I believe all six times they touched the ball in the first half I'm not sure that uh, the game itself could have gone much better for the Tar Heels absolutely not and they scored off of turnovers to begin with or at least for a score Um, you know I was a little bit surprised maybe I shouldn't have been I knew that Mercer was not a good FCS team but you know I've watched FCF's teams come to Keenan before, uh, teams like uh, McNeese State, uh, Delaware, and some other teams that were not awful. I mean, you know, they weren't obviously FBS quality teams. They don't have the same number of scholarships to give out as FBF's teams, just not as much. Uh, they don't. They don't have access to the same type of athlete that FBS teams have, and or power, more particularly Power Five teams have. But I, I've got to say, Mercer was about the worst FCS team I've ever laid eyes on. Um, but you know, that being said, I think uh, Alabama beat them fifty-six to nothing in twenty seventeen. Um, so. You know, I think North Carolina treated Mercer the way a team like Mercer is going to get treated if they run up against a good Power 5 team. And yesterday, uh, I'd have to say that North Carolina looked like a good Power 5 team. They uh, they did whatever they wanted, basically, on offense. Um, they, you know, ran the ball for like a gajillion yards. And Sam Howell is, you know, dropping dimes downfield at will, it seems. and the defense held them to like under, you know, 250 yards total. Uh, so, you know, the my takeaway is North Carolina treated Mercer the way a bad FCS team is going to get treated if they step into a Power 5 stadium against a decent team. And that's kind of my take on it. Uh, Mercer, 123 yards in the fourth quarter. 225 for the game. So those first three quarters were tough for the Mercer Bears. Jason, one thing somebody said pregame um, in the tailgating lot said that, you know, Carolina's just going to run it all day and just pound Mercer into the ground. And I think Buck and myself have said, no, I expect Sam Howell to get some work. And at one point, Howell, I think, had a 499-yard passer rating. But uh, finishes 10 for 1,352 and three. Another solid outing. An outing that I think Hal needed to have, but also one that, if you're not completely focused, doesn't happen. Your thoughts on how Carolina came into the game right out of the gate 
at the top of their game and handle business? Well, I think I think basically uh, Buck said what I what, I mean I agree with but what Buck said in terms of they came in took care of, took care of business from from uh, from the jump and when you uh, when you're coming into this sort of game you have to kind of treat it like a scrimmage for uh, the coaches and that's why you know you're going to try to get some of that passing uh, rhythm and all of that early on you're trying to get that stuff really taken care of so that when you go into next week there's no rust or anything you're used to going at game speed you're used to even if it's against a bad team you're used to seeing all that so that's why we saw some of that early passing I mean they could have run the ball the entire game without any without any question I mean we saw that the first two plays were all really we needed to see to see like oh wow this is gonna be really bad um but what you're trying to do is you're trying to build into next week and and that's why they uh why they showed what they did in terms of offensively it was all vanilla it was all what they uh, all their very base stuff. But like you said, you have to come in and focus. You have to come in. And we talked about this coming in, uh, in the, in the game plan podcast, you have to play to the standard. And I think for the most part in the first half, they did that. They took care of business. They played to the standard and, you know, you go in and you take care of a bad team right away. You give them no hope, you give them no chance. And that's what they did. The one place where I think they're gonna they're gonna have something to say is that uh, that uh, running into the kicker penalty, which was something that really was an uh, was a uh, an avoidable penalty that allowed them to go on a long drive shortly after a uh, a, a three and out. That's one where the coaching staff is going to be. On the one hand, they're probably not real happy it happened. It happened like legitimately not happy that happened, and legitimately not happy that they then gave up a like a 10 play drive for a field goal attempt there uh, in the first, in the first quarter. But at the other, on the other side, you, I can tear, I can tell you that they're probably happy that they have something from the first quarter to rip. So they're going to be looking at, you know, the defense in terms of you guys should have hit these uh, should have taken care of. And sorry for any uh, background noise here, but uh, you got, you know, you guys should have taken care of, uh, of your business here, this assignment was missed. You know, you've got to be in this position against this look. Oh, and also special teams. We can't have these kinds of mistakes. That's the sort of thing that that gives you a chance to to harp on some stuff coming out again, uh, coming out of a game against. You know, Buck. I've seen a worse FCS team. Savannah State a few years ago was was worse, but uh, this was this was a really bad FCS team. I mean, it's mm, yeah. Um, when you, and you're you're just kind of hoping as a coaching staff to be able to have something to talk about after that, and they and they they're going to, so that's a that's a plus. Yeah, Jason, you refer to I believe uh, Mercer's third drive. I think ended up being 17 plays, 64 yards, almost nine minutes in time of possession before Carolina stopped that one down um, just outside the red zone on the Carolina end. Buck, uh, let's talk a little bit about the. The running backs. I thought Mike, Michael Carter was fantastic. Really showed a burst um, around the edge on a couple of his plays, uh, on a couple of his runs. But not just Carter. Uh, I mean, you, you can go down the list. Antonio Williams, Devontae Williams didn't get a lot of run, um, but you know Henderson, thirteen for ninety-eight in, in the second half. I mean, Carolina's got some backs, and they got them work to keep them. Um, you know, in the groove, 
of getting work, but they also were able to get some of these backups. British Brooks got a touchdown. And again, uh, we harp on it over and over and over, just did what they were supposed to do, but then the backups come in and do exactly what they're supposed to do and get some good, positive, meaningful reps against a team outside of practice. Uh, Javante Williams, he, he really, really only got one carry, I think, uh, for in a third down and short situation was his only carry. Uh, yeah, Antonio Williams and, you know, I, I think, a couple of things going on there. One is, you know, Antonio Williams is a senior. They wanted to kind of highlight seniors in this game a little bit. Uh, I thought it was very cool the way the team just kind of mobbed Vargas uh, after he uh, – oh, he had six carries. My bad. I thought he had just one. Um, in any event, uh, you know, when they mob Vargas, you know, that's his only touchdown reception. He's a senior going out. You know, I think, I think that was very cool. Um, but, you know, the thing that, that really I was interested in and, you know, one of the reasons to watch a game like that, uh, and for those who haven't seen it, they could go back and watch it uh, in, in, uh, if they've got it DVR'd or whatnot, it's accessible. Just to watch Josh Henderson, I thought he was very <clears throat> interesting. Uh, first time we've really got a look at him at running back. And, uh, you know, he's an interesting back. He seems like a kind of an old school back that uh, you know, the kind of guy that, you know, used to play running back when it was not situational. And, uh, you know, they, he could play every down. And he, he's probably the kind of guy that can do that. Uh, be interesting to see, watch his development at UNC and watch how he does in the spring. Cause we know for sure that Antonio Williams is gone. And, you know, as far as I know, nobody knows for sure what Michael Carter's going to do, but it wouldn't shock anybody to see Michael leave if he wanted to, as his prerogative. So Josh Anderson is going to be, you know, a, a piece of the puzzle next year in the running back room. And, uh, I know it was Mercer. We, we've got to caveat everything we say about any of these players uh, by saying, yeah, it was against a really bad team. But, you know, he's got some moves. Uh, you know, he's not just a, uh, a guy that's going to run over you all the time. He's Sometimes he's going to try to juke you. And, you know, I thought he looked really good. You know, 13 carries for 98 yards, seven half yards a carry. He's not going to get that against Pittsburgh. but um, you know, I, I thought in his debut, uh, he looked really good. Thanks, Buck. Let me take a quick second to talk about JohnnyT-Shirt.com and Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street, our sponsors for this Inside Carolina podcast and great partners for our Inside Carolina community. Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street gives you everything you could possibly need in person, great customer service, great gear, basketball, football, cold weather gear is important now. Uh, anything for any sport you could ever want, soccer, baseball, they've got it all at Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. And, of course, JohnnyT-Shirt.com online gives you access to anything in their warehouse 24-7. And, again, the great customer service that you get in person at the store, you get online with them at Johnny T-Shirt. If you need anything for Christmas, it's time to get it done. Johnny T-Shirt's got great sales going on. They've got great uh, deals regardless for all your Carolina needs, clothing, uh, stuff for your car, stuff for your office, stuff for your home, 
kitchen everything you could possibly want. Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com, great sponsors from this Inside Carolina podcast. And, of course, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get 10% off your everyday order, either online or in person. It works. I'm not only a spokesman, I'm a customer, and that code works in store, and certainly they will honor it. Check them out on Franklin Street. Check them out online. Get your Christmas shopping done early. Jason, overall thoughts on uh, what Carolina got out of this, coaching staff and players heading into next week against NC State. Um, State, of course, we saw against Georgia Tech did not look good. Did come back, almost make it a – I figured they were going to win it somehow at the very end, but then they did – state stuff and couldn't stop Georgia Tech in the last five minutes. But, you know, I said it earlier, Mike Brown and his staff, they've got some things to work on, some things to tighten up. Um, but mindset going into NC State after a week like this with a ton of success, a ton of confidence coming out, your thoughts there? Yeah, I think going into NC State, I don't know that it really gave them, gave them a whole lot other than just – making sure that they stayed in rhythm uh, and were able to get out of a game without a whole lot of wear and tear and, and, uh, and, and feeling pretty confident going into next week. I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, to score points on offense, you, you got to score points. You, you got to learn how to score the points. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, I do think that going into next year, this is a film that they'll be able to look at some of the young guys and how some of the young guys played in the second half uh, and, you know, particularly on defense, they've not had, they've not played a whole lot of guys all year. I mean, we've talked about that, that there's been a lot of guys that have just been on the sideline and they're kind of going to have to learn what they got in spring. And then in fall camp that some of those guys that were not ready this year, they're going to, they're, they're going to be figuring out a little bit of, you know, how, how much has this guy progressed over the course of the year? And this game actually gave them a little bit to look at in terms of some of those young linebackers, in terms of some of the guys that are going to be core players on the defensive line next year. Uh, and so it gives you a little bit of an indication of that. And I think for the most part, the returns were, were positive. I mean, the, the uh, uh, I know Jay Bateman had some very positive things to say about the young linebackers. And, you know, they had uh, – they had a, a good performance in this one, and, and that's encouraging. Uh, you know, Vohasek uh, with those five tackles and, and uh, the way that he looked is is also encouraging. But, you know, it's still not deep enough for next year, and, and, and they know kind of where they're going to need to get uh, maybe a grad transfer in or maybe, uh, you know, do some additional work to make sure that guys are in position to uh, uh, for this defense to be as good as it needs to be next year. So, that's where a lot of the, the value of this game came in is being able to see some of the guys that they haven't seen on the field play a good bit in the second half against, again, a bad team, but a team that is a, is a, uh, it's a, it's a real game. It's, it's live bullets that are flying. Even if they're, you know, rubber bullets to some degree, you're, you're still having to deal with, uh, with getting hit and playing at full speed and playing in front of, you know, 150 fans and all of that. So it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's not just a closed practice. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think that's, that's kind of the value. So let me stick with you before we let you go. Um, and you mentioned those linebackers and those young guys on defense, Asante, eight tackles, Kadra Jackson, six tackles, uh, the Hasek looked very good and his time out there, five tackles, including two for loss. 
let me ask you, Jason, it, it is Sunday of rivalry week. What's the mood for a team in this situation? And then you add that it's a, it's a must win for, in, for, for North Carolina to – this is actually a must win game this coming Saturday for North Carolina to get to a bowl game. You know how many times I've heard you say this, this is actually a must win uh, <laughs> over the past couple of years. Over the past few years we've been doing this, that's, uh, uh, yeah, well, you know, to get to a bowl, yeah, this is a must win. Um, I think Sunday, you know, you're looking at a little bit less of a whole lot because usually you have that 24-hour rule after any game. But you're going to get a little bit, you know, some of the core players are going to be are going to be uh, starting to focus in already on looking at some film and all that. But in the coach's office, this is deadly serious. I mean, you're coming in, you're going to burn the extra, extra, extra hours. I mean, you're already working a ton of hours. But you're going to be, you know, you're reaching into the diminishing return area this week, making sure that every every possible thing is is there. And I know Mac Brown has always been a coach that's placed a lot of emphasis on rivalry games and on, on the extra preparation that's needed. Uh, to have some wrinkles and have some tendency breakers in there. So they're going to have had, you know, some of their quality control guys preparing extra over the course of the season, watching NC State, making sure that they know a couple additional things, like we need to have this wrinkle in. They're going to have – this is where all that stuff's being polished on a Sunday. On Monday, the energy in that building is going to be at a different level than it's been most of the year. And – that's not, you know, as a coach, you want, you want to try to flatten out those peaks and valleys as much as possible. We've talked about that for years. That You want to, you know, know we're going to treat every team the same. We're going to keep – and then you get to the rivalry game at the end of the year that really, you know, is, is that much bigger of a deal. And you can't keep that from being a higher energy situation, a uh, – the sense of urgency is higher. You're going to get guys that are going to be locked in that much more. And, uh, and especially with a bowl game on the line, these, these guys – you know, they've not been to a bowl in, in, in the last two years. That This is serious for them. And they're going to be the, the overall attention to detail, the level of focus that you're just going to get from those players is going to be a big deal. And uh, and that's really what you're going to expect. That's going to you're going to see that more on Monday uh, starting for the players. And on Sunday, you're already I mean, I can tell you right now, any Anybody who's listening to this, I don't care what time you're listening to this, there's coaches in the coaching office right now. <laughs> so that's that's just going to be how it's going to be this week. And they'll, they'll you know, if, if, if things don't go as they should, it won't be for lack of, uh, of attention to detail and effort from, from Brown and, and his staff and the players this week. Good stuff, Jason Staples. I'm going to let you go. I know you're out, uh, you know, you're out and about in the big city across the country. So I'm going to let you get back to doing your thing. I appreciate you taking time to talk to us this morning, and we will uh, certainly be in touch later in the week to talk more NC State. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, thanks, Tommy. It's always fun. You're, you're a, a quite adequate uh, interviewer. So, yeah, that's uh... <laughs> hey, I try. It's a must win, Jason. It's a must it is. win. Yeah, it's a, it's a very adequate interview, Tommy. Thank you. <laughs> be good. Take care. Many thanks to Jason Staples. Certainly has been a, a trooper on these podcasts. And even when he's out of pocket and over in San Diego, takes time to get up early, talk to us. I'm going to take a short break, come back. We'll f- continue the day after podcast with me, Tommy Ashley, and Buck Sanders. We'll be right back.
We're back, and Buck, um, since it's just you and I, I wanted to discuss some some things, so I'm going to let you um, start off this discussion, and we'll kind of go from there and sort of weave our way through the past uh, day or so in the life of Inside Carolina. The The thing that is kind of on the minds of some people this morning and something that needs to be addressed is – um, at the, while at the game last night, uh, Tommy took a picture in the stands and tweeted out, uh, something along the lines, the game is going great, but the UNC fans uh, still have a ways to go to get, to be elite. And, uh, I wanted to start out that conversation by saying that, uh, for people that don't know Tommy as well as I do, uh, and I think I could say I know him pretty well. Uh, Tommy is just one of those guys that goes to every UNC game. He's going to go regardless. It doesn't matter. Him and his family are going. And he sort of views his relationship with UNC football through a lens of being a participant in the stands when North Carolina plays football. And, you know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's to be applauded. That's a great thing. Um, But at the same time, he can on occasion be less than complimentary about people that do not share that same uh, level of uh, or identify his fandom in in the same way. but anybody that knows Tommy Ashley, even casually or even through these podcasts, knows he's um, began life as a UNC fan and football and basketball, and he'll die that way. Um, the The tweet itself, uh, I was not uh, when I saw it. I was not all that happy about it, but it, in some ways, it was a Tommy tweet. I I can guarantee everybody uh, last thing on Tommy's mind was intentionally, uh, giving aid and comfort to NC state fans or, uh, any of that sort of conversation. Uh, the furthest thing from that's the furthest thing from Tommy's mind. Tommy just thought about something and did it and didn't really think about, uh, the implications of it too much. And that's also a Tommy thing to do, but <laughs> that's, that's fair. Am I wrong? Am, am no, I wrong, Tommy? That's a hundred percent fair. And, uh, the, um, the upshot of that is that, uh, certainly there was nothing that nothing that Tommy did was meant to intentionally give aid and comfort to the enemy. Uh, that, that's not his thing. It's the furthest thing from his mind. Um, but you know, it, it is something that we, as I see, we, as inside Carolina, the entire staff, me included, when we use social media at all, and when we, uh, even what we write and post on message boards and, you know, I'm talking to myself as, as well as I am the entire inside Carolina staff. We need to be mindful that, you know, when we do things like that, even on Twitter, we are representing inside Carolina and 
what we say on our message boards or on Twitter or Facebook or wherever we say it reflects on inside Carolina. So, um, from my perspective, Tommy can do what he wants. And, uh, you know, in terms of what he wants to say to people that listen to this podcast, but, uh, as for myself, um, I, I take this to heart. I appreciate people's comments. Um, you know, I, I, I think we live in an age where it's a little too easy, uh, to react a little too strongly, but that being said, um, all of us at inside Carolina need to be more mindful of what we say on social media and consider the impacts impact of what we say and how that reflects on inside Carolina. So, uh, with that said, uh, I'll let Tommy chime in with his comments and then we can discuss it further if he wants. Yeah, but you're right. I have ripped Carolina's fans, football fans specifically, for quite some time um, and have gotten blowback on that. And it has, has, have, has gotten, have gotten uh, positive responses on that. And, you know, it just depends on which side of the fence you sit. And when I am sitting in that game, I get a text from somebody and they say, nice fans or nice whatever and they're not a carolina fan so my reactions take a picture and and say something to the effect of program trending up fans got a ways to go to be elite my point is and my point was and my point remains is that the fan base has to uh, come together and support the football program no matter what. No matter whether whether it's a noon game in the snow or a 7 o'clock game in the perfect weather or a 3.30 game in November with a little bit of rain and wind and it's cold. Strobridge, Crawford, uh, Dorn, Polino, Peck, uh, Graham Eklund, everybody, Greg Ross, all those guys that are at Jake Lawler, especially all those guys that have put in their work for four years or five and have done everything they can to get this program in a good spot. And then Matt Brown comes around and takes the program to another level and it's going to be to another level. I believe it's the fans duty to show up every time. That's the point. Seniors deserved better crowd than was there yesterday, period. I don't know how anybody can say otherwise. I apologize for stirring it up, Buck. I apologize for giving you and Ben a pain in the butt to deal with. But I have always said what's on my mind, rightly or wrongly. And I'm not sure if folks want me to change that or to tell it like I think it is. Am I wrong sometimes? 100%. I've been wrong plenty in my life. Probably wrong. Or no, I'll go ahead and say definitely wrong to send that tweet. But the point remains is that this fan base, this message board community needs to stop eating its own. If I contributed to that, which I clearly have, then I'm sorry about that. But sometimes 
you have to look in the mirror and say, what's that man or woman or young person or teenager doing for the cause? And showing up on Saturday, regardless of where you sit, certainly not in the press box, regardless if you left early, showing up, supporting the team. That's it. That's not, there's nothing else to it. There's no nefarious, like Buck said. I'm not trying to give NC State comfort. Carolina will handle business in Raleigh next weekend, and NC State will be on their last three toes of a program until they decide to do something different. But, Buck, like I said, apologize for saying something that caused a storm. Definitely shouldn't have done it. But if folks don't want me to be um, speak to what I believe rather than, and would rather me be a cheerleader, then I'm not that guy. And I would hope that fans wouldn't want that guy and want that from the people that cover the team, from the people that post on the boards. Anyway, there it is, Buck. I love you, brother. And, and I, I 100% <laughs> agree with everything that you say. Um, and and, and, no, yeah. and well, one more thing. And somebody said, I haven't said anything about how great the fan base has been. We've talked about that repeatedly on these podcasts. The fan base has been unbelievable all year. They've had, they've gotten everything they've wanted as far as good football, close football, competitive football, good game times. And yesterday it fell flat for a variety of reasons. And I understand people have other responsibilities. We all do. But I've always been a person that said for six or seven Saturdays out of a year, you do everything you can to get in Keenan Stadium, no matter whether it's they're playing Mercer or Clemson. The players are there. They deserve the fan base to be there. Beyond that, there's nothing more to the tweet. There's nothing more to anything. Thanks, Buck. Well, I, I'm going to uh, throw in, and you, you touched on this, Tommy, but I want to elaborate it on, on it a little bit. Um, you know, back last year, this time of year, uh, we were looking at uh, a change in the leadership in the program, and, uh, you know, we were doing a podcast on a day after a game, and uh, we were discussing the possibility of uh, – a change in leadership in the program and Tommy and I, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling dibs on the credit for this. Uh, both were, uh, Hey, you know, Mac Brown, that he might be the guy to, to lead this program moving forward after the door. And, uh, there was a lot of pushback from that, from, uh, you know, at the time, I think we got pushback from, Jason and Greg, and I can't remember who else, but not to call them out or anything, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a universally acclaimed, uh, decision at the time that doesn't really, uh, do anything, but set up the fact that this season really in terms of Keenan stadium and the fan base and all the things that have happened this season have been enormously positive. I mean, the sellout every single game is incredible. Hats off to the fan base. That's another way 
fans can support the program, uh, you know, in addition to being there. And they did that. And, 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 you know, the Miami game, the Clemson game, all the other home games, you go through them all. And, you know, it was just an amazing year being in Keenan stadium and the tailgate we had at the bowls lot doing a radio show before the games was just amazing. I got to meet so many inside Carolina subscribers I'd met before, never met before. So did Tom, so did Tommy, just a great time. And the future is incredibly bright. Um, so I think, uh, you know, Tommy's take notwithstanding, and I get where he's coming from. That's Tommy. That's how he identifies as a fan. That doesn't mean necessarily that everybody has to identify that way as a fan. There are many ways to support the program. And that's one of them certainly, but not the only one. And, uh, I just want to, you know, thank everybody that's, uh, you know, uh, been a part of inside Carolina through these podcasts and message board and everything else. It's been an amazing year. I've just loved watching it unfold. And, uh, you know, who knows, uh, we may get even more good news in the next uh, day or so. So, uh, again, uh, Tommy, uh, is, uh, sometimes does Tommy things and, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, we just hope that uh, we can put this issue to bed um, and uh, just rejoice a little bit. Uh, you know, the season, in terms of some of the outcomes of the games, hadn't gone exactly the way we would have liked for it to go. But I think everybody that uh, follows this podcast, follows Inside Carolina, is uh, incredibly enthusiastic about the future. And, and that that's a great place to be for the entire fan base and for inside Carolina. Well said, Buck. I'll leave it there without further comment. Um, look forward to seeing everybody in the bowls a lot next year and in Keenan stadium next year. State week has officially begun. We'll be on, uh, all week discussing the Wolfpack. There's a big basketball tournament going on down in the Bahamas as well. Plenty of coverage from there. You've been listening to the inside Carolina podcast sponsored by Johnny t-shirt.com. Jason Staples joined us earlier. I'm Tommy Ashley, and of course, the man, Buck Sanders. Thanks, Buck. Thank you, Tommy. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.